Thank you for joining us today for our weekly reading of Talking News. Welcome to our new readers, Max, Bob, and Claire, who will be reading local news stories from the current Belmont Citizens Herald. Lawsuit filed against the Toll Brothers. Smith Legacy Partners files lawsuit against Toll Brothers for $20 million over the Belmont Project. Smith Legacy Partners series recently filed a lawsuit in the Middlesex County Civil Court against Toll Brothers on September the 9th. The developer of the Bradford, formerly known as Cushing Village, for $20 million. A total of six lots were sold by Smith Legacy Partners to Toll Brothers on October 19 for $14,200,000, according to MassLandRecords.com. The Bradford development, when completed, is slated to bring 112 new apartment residences, ranging in size from studios to two-bedroom residences, 50 multiple municipal parking spaces, newly created open space, and several new neighborhood retail opportunities to Cushing Square. Uh, High-end amenities will include 37,500 square feet of street-level retail, including a Starbucks, a courtyard roof decks, open-air plaza, on-site fitness center, and walkability to restaurants and retail. In addition, the development is expected to provide Belmont with an annual annuity stream of property tax revenues. The crux of the lawsuit centers on Toll Brothers' requirement to perform the environmental cleanup and to construct the project in accordance with a special permit that SLP uh, secured for the project. Prior to the land's conveyance, both parties agreed within the P&S agreement to a cleanup scope budget of $1.3 million, with changes to be mutually approved by SLP and Toll Brothers. After the land was conveyed, SLP alleges Toll unilaterally increased the cleanup budget to $4.2 million, over 300% of the agreed budget and urged SLP to sell out its retail option to its partners if SLP would not pay for the enormous budget increases. The lawsuit alleges Toll Brothers provided scant documentation and failed to acquire SLP's approval as required under the P&S. No material changes to the known environmental conditions at the site were documented to justify the massive cleanup costs increase. Damages are being sought in excess of $20 million. The complaint requests the court triple the damages on the basis of bad faith, unfair and deceptive business practices, and therefore is ultimately seeking over $60 million in direct and punitive damages. We are suing them because we have reason to believe that they are using these unjustified increases in environmental cleanup costs to eliminate our retail option and participation in the future of the Bradford, said Chris Starr, managing partner of SLP. 
In response to the news of the lawsuit, John Petrahata, the uh, marketing director of Toll Brothers Apartment Living, said that said that they have uh, yet received a copy of the lawsuit. Toll disputes the factual allegations as set forth in the press release. Toll will respond to the lawsuit through the litigation once it has an opportunity to review the specific allegations. In the meantime, working closely with its environmental experts, Toll will continue performing the environmental remediation in compliance with the state's environmental regulations and with approval and oversight from the Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection as part of the ongoing development project at the Bradford. And now on to Claire. Thanks, Bob. Meetings scheduled for a high school project. If you want to learn more about the Belmont High School Building Project, there is now a website you can visit, belmonthighschoolproject.org. There are also several upcoming community meetings scheduled on different days of the week at different times to accommodate the schedules of all interested residents. The first of these meetings is Tuesday, September 19th, today at 7 p.m. at Chenery Middle School. The BHS Building Committee is currently in Module 3 of the 8-module Massachusetts School Building Authority process, also known as MSBA, which began when Belmont was invited into the eligibility period on January 27, 2016. The hired design firm, Perkins & Will, Working very closely with the building committee, Superintendent John Phelan and community members will design options for three potential grade configurations, 7 to 12, 8 to 12, or 9 to 12. The BHS building committee will be following a timeline which would allow them to potentially have a vote on the ballot of the November 2018 general election after the town reaches a project funding agreement with the MSBA. BHS Building Committee Chairman Bill Lavallo said the feasibility study phase of the MSBA process will take approximately two years to complete and will cost approximately $1.75 million. The MSBA will reimburse the town for the lesser of 36.89% of the eligible approved costs of the feasibility study as determined by the MSBA or $645,575 funds for the feasibility study were appropriated at the 2016 Spring Town Meeting. According to an analysis performed by the BHS Building Committee, the total project cost could be as high as $210 million and as low as $140 million. The analysis was based on historical data on school construction collected by the MSBA and enrollment projections and space capacity needs 
identified as a result of a collaborative analysis by the MSBA and Belmont town officials. The figure ranges from approximately $140 million for grade 9 to 12 configuration, with 1,470 total students, approximately $175 million for grade 8 to 12 configuration, with 1,845 total students, or approximately $210 million for grade 7 to 12 configuration, with 2,215 total students. Okay, here is Max. Thanks, Claire. Members pointing fingers. Planning board member suggests chairman resign over proposed library senior center development by Joanna K. Tsuvalas. Within the first 10 minutes of the planning board meeting September 5th, board member Charles Clark spoke out against chairman Liz Allison and fellow member Rafi Manjikian for their idea of building a library and senior housing at the site of the Belmont Car Wash in Waverly Square, saying it's not the planning board's place to propose things and push something forward without thinking about it. In a raised voice and with his finger pointed at Allison, Clark said, I think you should resign as chair of the planning board and remove yourself from the process. Allison, composed, attempted to move on to the next item on the agenda, but before that, Manjikian came to her defense, saying he was surprised at how his colleague was behaving, regardless of his opinion. Robust and rigorous finger-pointing is not called for, he said. Despite the exchange, Allison was able to move the meeting agenda forward. Prior to Clark speaking out, Allison said the full discussion on the Waverly Square and South Pleasant idea would be discussed with a full board on September 19th. Planning Board Vice Chairman uh, Barbara Fiaco was not present. Kathy Keohane, Chairman of the Library Trustees, came forward and said the trustees sent a letter to the Planning Board asking them to withdraw the proposal for the library to be built in Waverly Square. The idea to build a new library and senior housing development at the site of the Belmont Car Wash in Waverly Square evolved after a meeting in January seeking input from the community on the revitalization of Waverly Square and South Pleasant Street. The idea, according to Allison, would help solve at least one of the town's four major capital projects needs without the need for a debt exclusion or override by partnering with a local developer who would build the structure and then lease it back to the town. Back to you, Claire. Oops, sorry. Okay. New transmission line substation supply town's electricity. Belmont Light has successfully completed the transmission line cutovers, completing the electric supply portion of the Blair Pond substation and transmission line project. In August, Belmont Light crews executed a series of planned power outages of Belmont's three existing substations in order to cut over Belmont's electric delivery system from older NSTAR lines to the current system, fed by a new 115-kilovolt transmission line and the new Blair Pond substation. The successful completion of the four separate cutovers represented the final step needed to bring Belmont's next-generation supply of electricity online. 
Belmont's new system of delivering electricity to Belmont residents, businesses, and municipal facilities represents a critically needed upgrade to the prior delivery system, which had reached maximum capacity and suffered from significant power quality issues. The new electricity supply system through the new 115-kilovolt transmission line and Blair's Pond substation has more than tripled Belmont's electricity delivery capacity from the former maxed-out peak of 30 megawatts, providing more than enough capacity and significantly higher power quality for consumers for generations to come. The switchover to the new electric system uh, supply system represents the culmination of an extremely complex development project that was originally approved by Belmont Town Meeting in 2012 and was completed over five years of planning, design, location, and route identification, property negotiations and purchases, local, state, and federal regulatory processes, and a complicated construction phase. With Belmont's electric supply problems significantly and successfully addressed, the focus will now turn to a 10-year master plan to retire Belmont's three older and smaller substations while updating an aging and less cost-effective distribution infrastructure. Planning has already begun for readying the older substations for retirement and electrical work is expected to kick off in early 2018. And here's Max. Photographer. Dog photographer now displaying work at exhibit at the Belmont Media Center by Joanna K. Zuvalis. Not everyone can turn something they love doing into a career. Chelmsford resident Blue Amrich has found a way to do just that. In 2010, she took her love of exploring the outdoors with her dog Iris and bringing a camera along and turned it into her business, Beyond the Fence Adventure Dog Photography. Iris, an Australian shepherd, was Amrich's inspiration for Beyond the Fence. Iris was diagnosed with cancer when she was 13 years old, so I packed up my car and we drove across the country to finish the series of landscape photographs that began with Iris. We explored the southwest desert, hiked in the Rocky Mountains, and played in the Pacific Ocean. There's a big, beautiful world out there, and the best thing I've ever done was exploring a bit of it with my amazing little dog, said Amrich. Iris passed away last March. Amrich studied fine art at the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth and earned two bachelor's degrees, one in photography and one in painting. After she graduated, she worked as a wedding photographer and an architectural photographer. Examples of Amrich's work is on exhibit at the Belmont Media Center Art Gallery through September 14th, visiting hours Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., and Saturday, noon to 5 p.m. The Belmont Citizen Herald had a chance to meet with Amrich and learn more about her passion for dogs and photography. How did you start your business? Beyond the Fence started out as a series of landscape photographs that I was working on with my own dog, Iris. She was always with me when I was hiking, 
so it was natural to include her in my photos. I loved the experience of being outdoors with my dog, so I created Beyond the Fence to share that with my clients and their own dogs. How did you build up your customer base? The best thing I did was getting involved with the local community of dog lovers. I took agility, obedience, and herding classes with my dog, which was a great way to meet and connect with people. I also volunteered, and still do, as a photographer for local shelters and rescue groups, including the MSPCA and Big Fluffy Dog Rescue. There are so many wonderful dogs in rescue waiting for good homes, and I'm always happy when I can use my photography to help promote these dogs. Where do you take your photos? My photography sessions are always outdoors. That's part of the adventure. The dogs are so much happier when they can roll in the grass, run through the woods, and explore new places. I travel all over Massachusetts and New Hampshire, anywhere from the beaches of Cape Cod to flower gardens in Boston to the White Mountains of New Hampshire. What is most challenging about your work? Now, the dogs certainly make sure that my work is never boring. They make me laugh every day. And when I'm planning a session, I always make sure I'm setting the dogs up for success. First, I'm very careful to choose a location that matches each dog's personality. Rambunctious dogs get to go on long walks, while shy dogs get to explore quiet spaces. Also, almost all the dogs I photograph are on leashes for safety. I'm able to edit the leashes out during post-processing, so it only looks like the dogs in my photographs are perfectly trained. Really, they're all just happy pets who happen to hold still for a split second. All it takes is a lot of patience and a good sense of humor. What is most rewarding about your work? The most rewarding part is seeing how excited people are about their dog's photographs after their session. Everyone is always surprised their dog held still. I love being able to bring artwork into someone's living room so they can be reminded every day of happy, sunshine-filled adventures with their dog. Bob? Thank you, Max. Belmont Day Project gets the green light. A planning board approved Belmont Day Expansion Project with Conditions by Joanna K. Zavallis. After the sixth planning board hearing on a proposed expansion project at Belmont Day School, the planning board on August 31st closed the public hearing process and voted three to one in favor of the school's application subject to a set of conditions. The project includes a 25,817 square foot academic and athletic building referred to as the barn, together with a new entrance driveway between 688 Concord Avenue and the eastern border of Highland Meadow Cemetery. Planning Board member Carl Hagland was the dissenting vote. He said that he thought it was a mistake to vote with the final written version of the conditions, including the conditions board members discussed if the meeting weren't in front of them. I don't see how we can have a lawfully vote on it when we do not know how the actual final decision, said uh, Hagland. Planning Board Vice Chairman Barbara Fiacco said it was not an easy decision. 
The board tried very hard to listen very closely to everyone and to carefully consider the 161 comments submitted in writing over the course of many month process. We appreciate very much everyone's input. I recognize that probably no one is completely satisfied with tonight's decision, but I hope that you will all respect it and respect each other and neighbors going forward during the construction process, she said, or abandonment of the town's easement rights. Ongoing communication with the surrounding neighborhood throughout the construction period and the opening of the barn is critical to ensure that they are aware of what is going on. And on to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Belmont Gallery hosting Off the Clock Exhibit. The Belmont Gallery of Art opens its fall 2017 season with Off the Clock, an exhibit showcasing work by 10 of Belmont's public school art teachers from September 7th to October 6th at Homer Building in the Town Hall Complex, 19 Moore Street, Belmont. Artists participating in Off the Clock 2017 include Nicole Pond, Andrew Roy, Kathleen Burns, Public Cover, Danette English, Regina Kalajan, Kathy Kelly, Catherine Larkin, Mark Milowski, and Megan Remick. The BGA also announced that artist Richard Hill's Surfaces exhibit featured in the BGA's East Gallery has been extended through October 6th as well. An opening reception was held with the artist on September 15th at 6 to 8 p.m. Initially conceived of by the Burbank school artist teacher Nicole Pond in 2008, Off the Clock has become a tradition at the gallery offering Belmont residents and other visitors to the BGA an opportunity to see what the town's art teachers are creating as individual artists in their time away from school. When first thinking about the idea for Off the Clock, I thought it was important for people to physically see what we create, said Pond. We're teachers discussing art history and art-making techniques with our students but without their seeing how we use the same information. Off the Clock lets people see what we've been creating as artists on our own time, off the clock. Belmont Gallery Director Rebecca Richards agrees with Pond. I think it's important for people to see the art created by our community's dedicated art teachers, said Richards. People can sometimes forget that art teachers are also artists in their own right. This year's Off the Clock Artist Teacher Exhibit includes oil and acrylic paintings, ceramics, fiber art, printmaking, photography, and collage. Many of the pieces are for sale. Since opening its doors in July 2005, the Belmont Gallery of Art has presented over 70 shows featuring the work of dozens of local and regional artists. In 2007, the BGA was the recipient of a Gold Star Award from the Massachusetts Cultural Council in recognition of its work 
promoting the arts in Belmont and surrounding communities. And here is Max. Thanks, Claire. There's a tiny house for sale in town by Joanna K. Tsuvalis. There are currently 14 homes on the market in Belmont, ranging in price from a one-bedroom, one-bath ranch for 479000 to a six-bedroom, four-and-a-half-bath for $1.975 million. Bobby McShane of REMAX Leading Edge is the listing agent for the least expensive, tiniest house in Belmont on a dead-end street. It's been on the market for 141 days and dropped from its original price of 500000 in June. McShane says there's been a lot of interest on the property. However, he thinks the requirement for a special permit to rebuild or add uh, is what may be holding the buyers back. Based on the non-conforming lot, any work done would need a special permit. In order to obtain the special permit, you would need plot plans and would need to be approved by the board, said McShane. The property's current owner, Carrie Mead, purchased it in 1996 for $112,000. I've always known it is a unique property and was so grateful to have found it. I was so lucky, she said. Originally a workman's home. The home was built in 1949 by developer Harry Hull of Arlington, according to records from the town buildings department. Hull also built a twin home, slightly bigger, next door, 279 Channing Road. Town records show in 1955, Hull's request for a special permit to add on to the home was denied. However, the current owners of 279 Channing Road were able to expand the home by making an 8-foot addition to the 43 by 13-foot home and then putting a second story on the existing dwelling plus a 21 by 10-foot deck in March 1995. Meade believes the two homes were originally built to house construction workers while they worked on building homes in the general area. Commuting was not, a com not commonplace at the time, nor was car ownership, especially for laborers. The houses were built to ho house construction workers while they worked on building houses in the general area. The homes originally shared a driveway, said Meade. According to the Belmont Historical Cura Society curator, Victoria Haas, in the Streets of Belmont book, Richard Betts states that Channing Road was originally part of the large land holdings of the Wellington farm, family farm. When the areas were developed into house lots, we find that Channing Road was originally laid out in 1926, but added to many times over the years. It was Harry Hull who extended the layout from Dean Street to Waterhouse Road in 1939. Bob? Thanks to my colleagues, Max and Claire. We hope you enjoyed our reading today. Please join us when we return next week for another edition of Talking News.